June 9th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzah, Aleph Amud Bet, at the second Mishnah in the Amud. That's ten lines from the bottom. The last word on the line. This morning's Gemara class and the classes throughout the week were donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Sophia Cohen, Marcel Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, and Gail Mishan. They're donated as well in memory of Nathan and Marlene Cohen, Jack Mishan, and Sophia Dweck. This next Mishnah brings us back to Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, who have been the main speakers in our Mishnayot, by and large, throughout Masechet Betzah. But instead of specifically addressing their opinions, we'll take it from the vantage point of Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel, who was an authoritative position, he was the Nasi, he was from a family of Nasim, that's the leader, both politically, but more specifically spiritually, to the community in Eretz Yisrael during his time period. And he was even a descendant of Hillel. So you'd imagine that he was generally speaking, we know, following the opinion of Beit Hillel, says this Mishnah, when it came to Hilchot Yom Tov, the laws of, of course, Yom Tov, which we're learning about throughout this Masechet, in three situations, Rabban Gamliel was mahmir, he was stringent, like Beit Shammai. Now that's a little bit surprising. I mean, we're not going to have the full conversation about that, but... Uh, what will become clear from the end of the Mishnah is that Rabban Gamliel's opinion was, and his household's opinion to a certain extent, was that although we might be stringent upon ourselves with regards to certain matters, halakha as will preach them to others, might still conform with the opinion of Beit uh, But that's what the Mishnah will set forth for us. Three situations, three halachot, where Rabban Gamliel, even if it'll seem, he was teaching, or his parent, his father and grandfather were teaching others to be lenient, he himself, and apparently as a tradition from his father and grandfather, was stringent. What are these three situations? Shelosha devarim Rabban Gamliel mahmir ketivre bet shamayim. There were three matters in which Rabban Gamliel was stringent, he was mahmir like the words of bet shamayim. Number one, en tomnin et hamin biyom tov. You're not allowed to be tomen, lehatmin. Some of us know that from the halachot of Shabbat. Hatmana means insulation. It means you're providing um, insulation to the food so that the food doesn't become cold. Uh, It's a method of bishul. Uh, There are different ways of being matmin, some which are more permitted than others. But for our purposes, his statement is you're not allowed to be matmin for Shabbat when Yom Tov preceded it. Lechatechila, meaning beginning the hatmana on Yom Tov for Shabbat. I have hot food out on Yom Tov. I'm interested in maintaining that heat and letting it finish its bishul for Shabbat. I want to insulate it. I'll cover it with whatever it is. I'll, I'll encase it with something. You're not allowed to be matmin. All wonderful questions. Number two. Ve'enzokvin et biyom tov. And number two, uh, maybe you'll have even more questions. You're not allowed to be zokef. Zakuf means standing upright. You're not allowed to be zokef et a menorah, a candelabra, v'yom tov. What's the issue of standing up a uh, candelabra? Rashi and zokvin, mashma im nafla menorah shel matechet en zokvin umashivinota. It sounds like, says Rashi from the Mishnah, and already the word sounds like tells you, that our Gemara is probably going to bring us in a different direction. We're talking about a situation where a metal menorah, candelabra, fell down. You're not allowed to pull it back up. You're not allowed to stand it up. Why should that be prohibited? 
What's that? Well, we don't, we don't know the reasoning for this. We don't have a full understanding of this first statement, but at the very least we know that in some way, in some fashion, in some context, Rabban Gamliel maintained like Beit Shammai that these were stringent situations where we needed to act stringently. You couldn't be matmin lechatechila, and you furthermore couldn't be zokev tamen orabiyom tob. Lastly, ve'enofin pitin gerisin ela rekikin. Lechatechila is not milashon lech, it's a, uh, the, the concept of lechatechila means beginning then, as a starting point. In other words, whereas in general, Nathan's right, you know, 99% of the time we use that word lechatechila, we mean lechatechila as opposed to bidi'avad, ideally as opposed to once it was already done. Over here means lechatechila, meaning you're starting this on Yom Tov for Shabbat. Lastly, what's the statement? En ofin pitin girisin. Ela rekikin. What are, well, ofin we know means to bake. What's pitin girisin? Rashi. Pitin girisin, two lines before Rashi ends on the Amud. Kikarot avim. Rashi translates that as thick loaves of bread. What's the reason that it's prohibited to bake them on Yom Tov? Mishum tircha, because of strenuous activity. Tirhayetera, the rabbis in many circumstances forbade. Hard to objectify what is Tirhayetera, but Bechamai took a stance on this. If it's bread which is thick, according to Rashi's interpretation, it's prohibited. What's mutar? Rekikin, that's thinner uh, loaves and slices of bread. Tosafot later on, Dafkaf Bet has an alternative opinion. Uh, ultimately speaking, leaves us in the same place that the issue was Tirha, strenuous, over extraneous uh, activity. But Tosafot's claim is uh, it's a bit different. Is the difference between Girisin and Rikikin is the, the size of the bread, not the thickness, but the size of the bread. According to Tosafot, when it comes to a larger um, loaf of bread, there's less Tirha, it's easier. When you have to keep it smaller, that's the bigger issue, so that's how you break this one up. Regardless, the issue is, with regards to producing the bread, it needs to be bread which doesn't take too much effort, based on the determinations of the rabbis of what too much effort was. Those are the three halachot. Number one, hatmana, from Yom Tov to Shabbat. Number two, we didn't address in the Mishnah, we don't know what about Iruv Tavshilin. Number two, in the Mishnah, we have the issue of Zokvin et menorah. not certain exactly what the erection of that uh, menorahs or standing it upright and thirdly is the afia of bread it needed to be not girisin but rather rikikin concludes the mishnah amara bangamli I told you that's what's coming. At this point, it sounds like that's what he instated. What's the end of the Mishnah? The expression of Rabban Gamliel in our Mishnah is, you should know, this wasn't just my novelty to adopt the opinion of Beit Shammai. This is me Beit Abba. This is from the days of my, the household of my father, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. We never, in our household, were ofe pitin girisin, those thick, or whatever style bread, which takes more effort, that we never did. Amru lo, the expression in turn, the response to Rabban Gamliel was, that's not a good reason, that's not a good understanding of you 
to um, uh, suggest this to others to follow, Jesse, right? In other words, Amrulo well, What are you going to do with your father's household? It's fantastic. You should continue your father's traditions and your minhagim and your humrod. That's okay with us. However, you should know what your father and grandfather used to do. They, although they were stringent in their own in their own households, although they were stringent in their own lives. Uh, and, uh, and, and approaches and, and cooking styles on Yom Tov, not to cook the uh, harder to, co- uh, to bake uh, uh, breads, but to call Yisrael, whenever they would be posek halacha for others, they followed the halacha in accordance to Beit Hilev. That's a wonderful question, I'm not certain. And was, uh, again, I said in the Mishnah, I'm not certain that all these uh, accord with that, but you do see that from this last case. You only know about the last case. And what were they, Mekil, Lekol Yisrael? How were they lenient for everyone else? Liyot ofin pitin girisin, to cook, or to bake rather, the, the difficult to bake bread. Veharirin, what are haririn, Rashi? Sheofin al hagehalim. It's pita or bread or lafa, which is made on the coals, which is apparently even more difficult because to put it on the coals directly means that the dough will diminish the heat of the coals. You need to be making certain that the fire is really strong on a constant basis, and as a result, it's even more difficult to produce that sort of bread. And nonetheless, they were matir, they were mekil, they were lenient for kol Yisrael. Those are three cases in our Mishnah. We'll take them apart and discuss them one by one. The first one says the Gemara, Hechidameh, translated loosely as, what's the case? What's the case in that initial situation where we talked about Hatmana, the insulation, Shabbat. It's Asur told us Bet Shamai Bet We're permitting. What's the case? If a person indeed had left, if the situation is you left Eruvet Tavshilin, my Taamad Bet Shamai. Why would Bet Shamai be prohibiting? What's the restriction over here? If it is an Eruv Tavshilin. Why can't you, in turn, do hatmana? You could do everything. You could do bishul. You could do afiyah. You could do anything from Yom Tov to Shabbat with an eruv tavshilin. Hatmana? Hard to believe. Why is it more? That's uh, easier. You're not really cooking in the regular fashion. Says the Gemara, "Vei de la anach tavshilin." Alternatively, maybe there was no eruv tavshilin. Maybe that's what the Mishnah is talking about. If that's the case, you have to swing it the other way. Why would Beit Hillel be permitted? Our Mishnah is presenting this as a mahloka between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Then, then why does Beit Shammai uh, forbid it? Says Ravuna, I'll tell you that the case is tavshilin. Fascinating. Our Mishnah doesn't mention it, but you're supposed to assume. If you're talking about Nisur, Afiyah, Bishul, on Yom Tov, it's because there was no Eruv Tafshilin. I said, then why would Beit Hillel permit it? Ukede Hayav Sharule Rabbanan. Kede Hayav, loosely translated as, for his life. In other words, even in a circumstance, it's an amazing thing, we had a two, three page break hiatus from talking about Eruvei Tavshilin. Here you go, there's another halacha in Siman Tafkof Chavzayin in Shohan Aruch with regards to Eruvei Tavshilin. We thought we exhausted all the laws. Here's another one. The statement is that according to Beit Hillel, even in a circumstance, a situation where you don't have an Eruvei Tavshilin, let's go a step further and there's no rabbi of the city who did it for you or you try, whatever the situation is, you're in a circumstance where you need an Eruvei Tavshilin because you have nothing to bank on uh, what's the halakha? You're allowed to, nonetheless, the rabbis permitted, kedeh hayav. 
which means to say the bare necessity, the bare minimum of food for your meals on Yom Tov. That's what's permitted even without an Eruv Tavshilim. From Yom Tov for Shabbat. Says the Gemara, Verafuna letame. And you should know, explains the Gemara, this is Rav Huna, consistent leta'ameh. Ta'ameh means his reasoning. He was consistent with his reasoning. This statement, he reiterated, he repeated in a different context. The statement of Rav Huna separately goes as follows. A person who did not leave who did not set up an Eruv Tavshilin, he can nonetheless, or the wording is, they can nonetheless bake for him one loaf of bread as necessary, one cooked dish as necessary, and they can light for him, or he can light a candle. Does this mean others need to be doing this for him? Rosh and Siman Zayin in the back of the Gemara takes this up. He says, wait a second, you're telling me, Rav Huna, ostensibly, that according to Beit Hilel, even though you didn't have Eruv Tavshilin, you can do the bare necessity. But then the words are, I'm not doing it. They cook for you. They bake for you. Why is it they? I thought the rabbis permitted for you. So Rosh says, Dibir Bahoveh, the Gemara, Rav Huna, is speaking in the normal fashion. I mean, come on, I'm looking around the room, lots of aspiring cooks and bakers, but how many of you, if you're in this situation, are actually cooking and baking it? It's not per se about the luxurious lifestyle. It's more about, I guess, just the male tendency. We rarely bake and cook. It's not to say that there aren't many cooks and bakes, bakers um, who are men, but that's the, that's the general circumstance. The Bene Beto are going to handle this for the Baal Habayit in this situation, which means to say don't go uh, too far at all with the fact that it's not referring to you cooking it. It means you cook it. Okay, so then let's read the words again. The statement is, if you didn't leave an Eruv Tavshilin, what you can do, I'm translating it as that, is you can bake and you can cook and you can light the candle. Right, that in and of itself is interesting. We did learn on Daf Yodzayin a certain halacha. On Daf Yodzayin, we talked about if you didn't leave Eruv Tavshilin. Parentheses, there's no rabbi to depend upon. What you could do is you could be maknet kimhor. Remember that situation? You could take all of your flour and have it uh, sold off on the holiday to someone else. Then they'll make you the food. If they had a Eruv Tavshilin, that was mutar. Why is our Gemara suggesting otherwise? Indeed, Rosh and others suggest maybe there's nobody around who did Eruv Tavshili near you. Does that mean, here's the last stage in this, does that mean that if there is someone around you who did leave Eruv Tavshili, can you nonetheless per- permit, can you go based on, you'll do Kedeh Hayav. Again, my next door neighbor, everyone in the neighborhood has done Eruv Tavshili, and I have it. I don't like to depend upon other people. Happens to be truth, I don't want their favors. I'd rather not be maknem, makem, I don't want them in my house, whatever it is. I, I'd rather not do that. So I'd rather, honey, children, we're just going to have bare necessities this, this Shabbat. Am I allowed to do that in such a situation? Um, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, so in other words, am I allowed to do the bishul and afiyah even when I could depend on others? The words of Shohan Aruch are somewhat telling in this. It says Shohan Aruch in Tafkov Chavzain, Saif Yod Gimal, excuse me, Saif Yod Dalet. Wrong. One second. Saif Kaf. 
says Shohan Aruch the following: Mishelo Irev, a person who didn't leave Eruv Tavshilin, Keshem Shasur Levashel Atzmo, Kachasur Levashel Acherim Afilu Betam Gam Acherim Asurim Levashelo. Ve'en lo Takana. What's the way of fixing a situation when you don't have Eruv Tavshilin? Ela Sheyitem Kim Chov Tavshilo Lacherim Sheirvu B'Matana. Hand it off as a present, be makneh to others, and let them. Ve'en lo Filu Levashelim V'Rotin Lo Vafilu Bebeto Yecholim Levashel. They could even do it in your home, and that's what we saw in Daf Yodzayin. Ve'im. If there aren't, as Jared said, if you live in, I don't know, Timbuktu, and there's nobody, no Jewish people who have left in Eruv Tavshilin beforehand, then says Shulchan Aruch, Yesh Omrim, he's quoting Ravuna, you're allowed to minimally cook and bake patahad, the words of Shohan Aruch, as uh, this Mishnah Berurah with the commentary of Ishmat Har Medayek, the words of Shohan Aruch are somewhat telling. You could not do this if you could take your flower and give it to someone who did Eruv Tavshilin. This is really a last case scenario, a last, uh, last effort, last dish effort. You have no other choice. Say the rabbis, okay, we don't want you to be starving on Shabbat. What's that? Rabban Gamliel, even in this situation. Fascinating, yes, which is an amazing thing. I didn't even piece it together ever in my mind that way. It means in Rabban Gamliel's house, with this stringency, they wouldn't depend upon the Kedeh Hayav. He'd go like Beit Shammaya and, uh, sorry, no food for the holiday. Now, it doesn't mean that he wouldn't be maknet to others, but it means this is in a case where he didn't have, yeah. No, what? Memehen means in their days of his fathers. No, I don't. I don't think they ever. If it ever arose in their lifetime, translate the word memehen in their lifetime, in their days. If this issue ever came up, they were stringent for their family. Yeah, I don't think it means they never did it. Yeah. It's interesting because his father's house, he left. That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. That's That's right. That's That's right. 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 That's so that's an interesting thing though. The mention of a candle in the list of cooking and baking seems to suggest that the lighting of the candle, again, and we'll see this later on, let's say from a pre-existing flame, but nonetheless lighting a candle on Yom Tov is dependent upon if you're going to use it for Shabbat, Eruv Tavshilin. That's what seems clear. That's what the Gemara is saying is if you don't have an Eruv Tavshilin, all right, here's what you're allowed to do. You're allowed to light a candle, you're allowed to do one loaf of bread, you're allowed to... It sounds like the lighting of the candle is dependent upon Eruv Tavshilin. Top left-hand corner says Tosafot. Mikan Mashma, it sounds from here, Shetzarich Lehazkir, Bebirkat Eruvet Tavshilin, that as you recite the Beracha, the blessing for Eruv Tavshilin, Yehe Lan. I'm sorry, we say Lan. Uh, it should be permitted... They leave that line. Le bashule, to cook. Ula afuye, and to bake. 
the last on that list as to light a candle. That's what Tosafot is suggesting with regards to what we never saw in our Gemara, never will see in our Gemara, the Nosach, the proper wording of the Beracha. We have it in the front of our Mahazorim. We read it when we learned the earlier part of this Perik from Shohan Aruch in Tavkov Chavzayin. Tosafot over here is saying that the Halakha is you need to mention not only cooking, not only baking, you need to mention as well Hadlaka Nerot. Hadlaka Lohitna. And if you didn't articulate and stipulate that this will work for lighting candles as well. It sounds like from our Gemara, the only permissibility will be one candle, which means say, if you don't have a Eruv Tavshilin, or you do, but you didn't say the Nosach. This is an important Tosafot for that question, which we briefly addressed. That what happens if I did Eruv Tavshilin, but I didn't say, with this Eruv I didn't say all those words. Instead I said, uh, uh, gentlemen, ladies, here's what we did. We just did this. We can now cook on Yom Tov. All right, could you cook? Could you light a candle as well? Tosafot is suggesting if you don't say the words, it's insufficient. Even if your intent was this, what Tosafot is saying. That's what Tosafot is suggesting. That's the statement of Tosafot. Reef, Harambam, Perik Vavichot Yom Tob leaves this out from the Nosa. He has Beden, Eruva, Yeheshar, Elan, with this Eruv, it should be permitted for us. Le Bashule, La Fuye, but doesn't mention La Adlukeshiraga to light a candle. Neither does Reef. The question is, why not? Does he disagree with Tosafot? Bet Yosef, Tafkov Chavzain says he disagrees. He disagrees with Tosafot. Candles are just bare necessity of the household. You never needed, the rabbis never forbade. No, Zeruf Tavshilin, the preparation for Shabbat from Yom Tov, was a rabbinic enactment, a restriction. They never had that with regards to lighting candles. As a result, light as many candles, even if you don't have Eruv Tavshilin. That's how Beit Yosef understands it. Alternatively, Magen Abraham says, you're overreading Harambam. He really agrees with Tosafot. And why does he leave out Ladukeshiraka? I don't mention everything. You need to mention the major things. Happens to be the last words that we say, I think they're in Harambam as well, is to do kol tzorchana, kol tzorchana, or something like that. We can do anything that's necessary. So we kind of keep everything in there. Everything's kind of mentioned in that statement. All right, but that's the discussion. Because our Gemara is saying, you live without electricity. But once upon a time, no electricity. And as a result, you need a little bit of light. How much light do you need? You need light in every room or you need one candle? One candle. How much bread do you need? One loaf or ten loaves? One loaf. So in other words, the statement is without an Eruv Tafshilin Rafuna tells us you could do the bare necessity. What's the bare necessity when it comes to light? One candle. That's the suggestion of Tosafot. Okay, so says the Gemara onward, Rabbi Yitzhak, just finishing up that statement of Rav Huna, he says, not only are you allowed to make one loaf of bread when you don't have Eruv Tavshilin, and that's defined as Kedeh Hayav, not only are you allowed to make the one dish, not only are you allowed to light the candle, but you know, you could get a delicacy. One delicacy is permitted as well. That's the small fish, which will be fried, is permitted as well. We have a beraita, which directly accords with that which we just suggested. Person who forgot, and that's the suggestion, our Gemara of as to what we're talking about in our Mishnah, a forgetful situation. One additional thing, you're allowed to heat up one kiton, it's uh, some sort of utensil for water, 
hot water, you're allowed. V'yesh omrin, and then you have the opinion of it be it's hak at the end of this bit as well. Afsolin lo katan. So that's the first approach to our Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah said there was a machloket. Rabban Gamliel was tofes the shitav bet shamai. It's a machloket about whether on Yom Tov you could do hatmana for Shabbat. What's the situation? Of course you can. No, there was no Eruv Tavshilim. Without Eruv Tavshilim, Beit Hillel nonetheless say Kedeh Hayav is permitted, Beit Shammai do not. Rava Amar Le'olam, Rava disagrees with this first approach in the Gemara. First approach in the Gemara was Rav Huna's approach. Rava has a different approach. Le'olam Sheheniyah. Uh, one second, you're talking about there was an Eruv Tavshilim. If there was an Eruv Tavshilim, we said, Mai Ta'amad Beit Shammai. Why would Beit Shammai say, you're not allowed to do Hatmana? Why is Hatmana different than anything else? You did Eruv Tavshilim. Veshane Hatmana. The statement of the Gemara of Rava is Hatmana is different. Milta means the matter, the thing. Mukach means it's clear, it's, it's, um, it's transparent. That with the thought of Shabbat Ka'avid, you did this. Which means to say if you're cooking or baking on Yom Tob, even though it's close to Shabbat, a person might rightfully say, oh, he's cooking for Yom Tob. You're cooking in your kitchen, but what does it look like? Nonetheless, we care about what it looks like. Might be for Yom Tob. Alternatively, if you're just being matmin, you're insulating, you're not insulating for your meal you're going to have in five minutes from now. Five minutes from now, it's okay if it cooled down a little. You're insulating, you're clearly insulating for Shabbat. Oh, that's where we draw the line. We draw the line if it looks like, appears to be, and is clear to anyone who sees what you're doing, that you're preparing for Shabbat. That's where we draw the line. Hatmana is different than Afiyah and Bishul in that respect. There is a brief question on the Shitav Rava because earlier in the Perek on Daftet Zayin we had two reasons mentioned why we do Eruv Tafshilin. You might recall them. It was Rava and Ravasheh. Oh, we'll go uh, with each of them. One of the two opinions maintained that the reason we do Eruv Tafshilin is so that on the holiday and on Shabbat we have a beautiful meal. Eruv Tafshilin is the reminder to us we need to have a great meal for Shabbat. This reasoning of Rava and our Gemara will not accord with that. Why does it need to be apparent that I'm making it not for Shabbat? What do you mean? The whole purpose of Eruv Tafshilin is I have a good meal for Shabbat and for Yom Tov. So who cares if it looks like that was the opinion of Rava. It's only the opinion of Rav Asheh back there on Daftet Zayim who had a different angle on this. Rav Asheh said that the reason for Eruv Tavshilin is so that you don't prepare, so that you realize you can't technically prepare from Yom Tov to Shabbat unless you have Eruv Tavshilin v'kalvahomer to Yom Hol, remember? So in other words, if it's Muchach Milta, according to Rav Asheh, it should be problematic. All right, so that's, that's a brief difficulty Tzlach raises in our Gemara, and he suggests that the reason over there of Rava accords with Betilel, over here he's giving the rationale, for Bet Hillel, over here for Bet Shammai. In other words, this whole rationale in our Gemara is only for Bet Shammai. Over there, we're talking Ali Badi Hilchita. Okay, that being the case, well, think about. Right, but in other words, insulation is only a problem if the cooking shouldn't be a cooking for Shabbat. According to Rava, the whole purpose of Eruv Tavshilin is cook well for Shabbat. No, but it looks bad. Well, it looks bad. That's what I want you to be doing. Mm-hmm. So the suggestion is that's Rava's real opinion. That's la halacha. Uh, over here, when he gives this rationale, he's giving for Bet Shammai. Bet Shammai might go with Ravashe's rationale, but the whole purpose of Eruv Tavshilin is really to draw a distinction. Even the fact that you say maybe insulation 
But, but it could be, it could be, but the reasoning he provides is a difficult reasoning. The whole purpose is because it looks like you're preparing for Shabbat. You are. We want you to. Anyway, says the Gemara, Etive Abaye. Abaye has a question now on Rava. Again, Rava's, uh, Rava's claim is there was an Eruv Tavshilin. Nonetheless, according to Beit Shammai, you're not allowed to, from Yom Tov to Shabbat, do Hatmana. Only Hatmana, insulation. Why so? Because there's Mukham Milta, because it's clear that you're preparing for Shabbat. Etive Abaye. Abaye has a question from Beraita. What does it say in the Beraita? Hananya Omer. Hananya is a rabbi from the time of the Tanaim. Beit Shammai Omrim. Hananya reported in the name of Beit Shammai, En Ofin. The afiyah, the baking from Yom Tov to Shabbat is permitted only so those are the three cases that Hananiah reports in the name of Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai's opinion, listen to it again, I'll say the first two quickly, is if you have a baked good in your Eruv Tavshilin, then you're allowed to have, make more baked goods for Shabbat on Yom Tov. If you have in your Eruv Tavshilin an egg as well, which is not a baked good, but rather a cooked item, you can then prepare cooked items for Shabbat. Lastly, and most importantly, if you have something which is insulated, before Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, you're allowed to insulate for Shabbat. Pause for a second. Whose opinion is that? Hananiah is stating that in the name of Beit Shammai. You just told me, Rabbi, that according to Beit Shammai, Afiyah and Bishul, of course, cook and bake to your heart's desire if you have Eruv Tavshilin. Hatmana? No, Mabisi. Why no Hatmana? Hatmana is too mukhamil. What are you talking about? Beit Shammai over here just said, you're allowed to insulate. Are you allowed to insulate or not? According to Rabbi, there's an issue with the insulation itself. It has nothing to do with the faulty Eruv Tavshilin. And yet, Hananiah reports in the name of Beit Shammai that insulation could and should be part of your Eruv Tavshilin and in turn permit cooking from Shabbat to, from Yom Tov to Shabbat with Hatmana, with insulation. If you did have prepared on Yom Tov, um, before Yom Tov, insulated foods, you could then continue the insulation to Shabbat. Even though it's clear from your insulation, as Rava made clear to us, that your intent is for Shabbat. But again, what's... What's the issue? You didn't have enough. Obviously, that's why you're cooking on Yom Tov. No, you need more. No, 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 no. But what's the statement? The statement is, how does Eruv Tavshilin work, says Hananya in the name of Beit Shammai. If you want to make a full meal for Shabbat, that's what he's talking, right? If you have a cooked item, you can make more cooked items. If you have a baked item, you can make more baked items. Oh, wait a second. And if you have an insulated item, you can insulate more. What are you talking about? I thought you can never insulate from Yom Tov to Shabbat, according to Ravah, explaining Beit Shammai. Says the Gemara, Ela Amar Abaye Kegon, She'ireb lezeh, the suggestion of the Gemara then is to change the statement of Rava. Rava never said that according to Beit Shammai, you'll never do, excuse me, Hatmana, the insulation from Yom Tov for Shabbat. That's not the case. The case instead is, 
Entering into sh- to Yom Tov, what you, your wife, your family, your household did was you prepared Eruv Tavshilim. What's in your Eruv Tavshilim? The case in our Mishnah. You had a cooked item. You had a baked item. What did you not have? You didn't have a Hatman item. You didn't have an insulated item. And as a result, says the Mishnah, according to Beti Leil, even though you didn't have an insulated item, that's okay. You don't need a piece of each type of the thing you're going to do. You didn't have Eruv Tavshilim. You had a few items. We talked in Tosafot. What's the bare minimum in terms of yeah, Eruv Tavshilim? We read in Shohan Aruch some time ago. But you don't have a Hatman. An insulated item says Beit Hillel, you can still insulate from Yom Tov into Shabbat. Says Beit Shammai, what are you talking about? Did you have an insulated item? If you didn't have an insulated item, which apparently suggests Ravah, is what we're talking about in our Mishnah, you may not in turn from Yom Tov into Shabbat insulate food um, as your preparation for your Shabbat meal, even when you had an Eruv Which means what emerges from our Gemara is two explanations to our Mishnah, right? The second explanation, that which we just learned, is there was an Eruv Tavshilin, the Mahlok it is about do you need prepared each types of the food, each character, uh, each uh, um, quality and types of preparation of food that you're going to do from Yom Tov to Shabbat with your Eruv Tavshilin. That's the Mahlok at Bet Shammai and Bet What's that? According to Bet That was, this Gemara is a critical part of that conversation which we saw in Tosafot then as well. And the first explanation of the Gemara, if you recall, was altogether different. It was that you didn't leave your Eruv Tavshilin at all and the Mahloket is a Mahloket on that issue of Rav Huna. Can you still make what's called Kedeh Hayav? the bare minimum of food. According to Beit Hillel, yes. According to Beit Shammai, no. Either way you explain it, Rabban Gamliel in our Mishnah, again, the way we began was telling us, I, although generally preaching and understanding and following the opinion of Beit Hillel on these three issues, this is the first of those three, and Posek, like Beit Shammai, you can't have those. I don't know if you're starving, but you're not having uh, delicious food on Shabbat in such a situation. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen